0: There are good churches, there are great churches, and then there's the church in which even Christ Himself could find no room for improvement. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at the ancient church of Philadelphia and the love demonstrated by the early Christians who gathered there. Here's David to share the conclusion of his message, The Faithful Church.
1: Well, you know, some of the challenging things that happen with language, uh, takes place when you talk about Philadelphia being uh, the place of brotherly love. And while there are many loving brotherly people in Philadelphia, um, there's also, uh, like a lot of our cities, places where brotherly love is not an option. And in the New Testament, when Jesus talks about Philadelphia, he's talking about brotherly love um, all the way to the end, and there is no exception. He's talking about the open-door church. He's talking about a church that is fulfilling its mission, and he has only compliments for that church through John in the letters to the churches of Revelation. The faithful church. We started talking about it yesterday. We'll finish it up today as we conclude this month together. You know, friends, uh, we... We love the opportunity that we have to not only teach the Word of God on the radio and on television and through social media, but also to provide uh, tangible resources that you can use for your own benefit and, and for helping others. And those tangible resources are available every month here on the radio, and this month we have been making available a brand new book that just came out called After the Rapture. And the book is about... What will be going on on this earth when all of the Christians have been removed at the rapture, and the Holy Spirit is removed because he lives within believers, and when believers are gone, he's gone, the restraining influence. And I said something some time ago to a friend of mine. I said, you know, as bad as things are right now in our world, and they're bad, just think what it would be like if all of the restraint against evil were removed. Well, that's what it will be like after the rapture on this earth. And this book, in a very uh, graphic way, details the kind of things that will happen on earth when the church is gone. It's a great tool to use when you're witnessing to people who do not know the Lord. And we want you to have this as our way of saying thank you for your gift to Turning Point during the month of May. This is the last day. So when you send your gift today, please ask for your copy of After the Rapture. Well, here's part two of The Faithful Church from Revelation chapter three. Notice a very strange word here in the third chapter about another quality of this church is what it says. It says you have an open door, but then it says in verse eight in the end of the verse for you have little strength now they are commended secondly for a very strange thing the writer of this letter says i want to commend you because you don't have much strength that sounds like a backward compliment doesn't it i mean you don't usually feel complimented if somebody says you have little strength but here is what the lord says to this church you have a great opportunity you have a great open door And let me tell you something else that I really like about you as a church. You have little strength. The term in the original language carries the thought of but little strength. In other words, it is not that the church still has a little strength and thus can function to some degree. Rather, what the Lord is saying is it has but little strength in itself so that the source of its power must ultimately depend upon the Lord. In other words, they understand where the strength comes from. This is a church that's got a great and open door, but they also understand that they are not capable, nor do they have the ability to walk through that door if they do it in their own strength. There's a sense of divine humility here. Second Corinthians 12, nine says, my strength is made perfect in weakness neither wealth nor influence nor promotional schemes nor the eloquence of the pulpit nor harmonies of musicians can give an effective ministry the Lord alone opens the door and the Lord alone gives the increase and if you have a little strength it's okay because if you have a little strength you're going to depend on his strength it is when you have big strength and it's yours that you're in trouble It's when you're depending on your building and your budget or your staff or all of your ideas or your organizational plan or your outreach or all of the rest, and the strength is not in the Lord, but it's in you. The Bible says the church of Philadelphia had little strength. They were not much if you looked at them from the outside, but they were mighty in the hands of God. Isn't it interesting that we watch church growth and we watch the way churches function, and sometimes we see a church just blow up and become huge overnight, and then it goes away. What happens if you're not careful is if God blesses a church, you think it's because of you. (laughs) And you forget that God is the sovereign one of the church, that he's the one who blesses. He's the one who opens the door and shuts the door. And oftentimes when God opens the door and we walk through that door, if we don't know who we are in Christ, we begin to think it's about us. And that it's all our doing and not His. So the second thing that was true of this church, it was a door of opportunity opened by God, a sense of powerlessness without God. Thirdly, it had a commitment to the Word of God. Notice verse 8, You have kept my word. The church believed the Bible to be authoritative and they kept the Word of God. When the Word of God is taken out of the center place in the church, everything else goes away. People say, why are marriages in such trouble, just like the world? And the question is very easily answered. When was the last time you heard a pastor teach what the Bible says about what marriage should look like for a Christian? When was the last time the word of God was open and somebody said, thus saith the Lord? So you see, if you take the word of God out of the center, all these other things, they all are a part of the fallout. When the Word of God is gone, you don't have the right attitude toward Israel because you don't know what the Bible says about Israel. You'd be surprised how many people I've run into who didn't even know there was anything in the Bible about how we should treat Israel. When you don't know what the Bible says about marriage, it goes south. When you don't know anything about what the Bible says concerning the church, it loses its influence. So the interesting thing about this church that's so critical, and I found it to be so important because of what I've been living through, the Bible says one of the reasons why this church was blessed of God was they kept the Word. That means they kept it at the center. Not only did they keep it in the church, they kept it in their own lives. They followed the Word of God. And then there was a deep loyalty to Jesus Christ once again, and have not denied my name. There was much controversy toward the end of the Philadelphian period about the deity of Christ. But the Christians in Philadelphia stood strong in their belief as to who Jesus was. They believed that he was God in the flesh, the Lord and Savior of mankind. They said, we believe Jesus Christ is the Lord God and we will not deny his name. You remember in the Roman Empire, they were intrigued to go and say, Caesar is Lord, remember that? They were to go to the altar with a pinch of incense, and they were asked to deny Jesus by saying, Caesar is Lord. And the people in Philadelphia wouldn't do that. They would not deny their Lord. They stood for the Lord. So when you look back at these qualities, what does a church look like if God is blessing it? What does a church look like if it's in the place where God can open the door for many opportunities? Well, first of all, the church realizes that God has opened the door. The church realizes that they are powerless if God doesn't enable them to do what he's called them to do. The church is committed to the word of God and they're loyal to Jesus Christ. If a church will do those four things, they put themselves in a position where God can do great things through that church. Now, here's what Jesus said to this church beginning in verse nine. Here's his declaration to the church in Philadelphia. First of all, he promises to humiliate their enemies. He says, indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie, indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Once again, we run into these troublemaking Jews that were making their rounds to the churches of Asia Minor, coming alongside and saying that they were in apostolic succession or that they came by the hand of God. And the Lord Jesus says to the church of Philadelphia, don't you worry about those people. I'll take care of them. Revelation 2, 9 says, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Now here in the church in Philadelphia, he mentions them again, but he's no longer talking about tolerating them. Now he promises this church that he'll humiliate them. He says, I will make them come and worship before your feet. Someone has pointed out that the Apostle Paul is a good illustration of this truth. He started out persecuting the church, trying to kill or imprison Christians. But during one persecution mission on his way to Damascus, the Lord arrested him and wouldn't let him arrest the Christians. And the next thing we know, this persecutor had become a worshiper and a champion for the cause of Jesus Christ. The Lord promises this church that he will humiliate their enemies. Did you know when you're living for the Lord and trying to do the best you can to follow his leadership, he fights your battles for you, doesn't he? It's not you that fight the battle, it's the Lord that fights. The battle is the Lord's. We always are trying to fight the battles, and we think the battles are other people, and then we get into trouble. We fight other people, and the battles aren't people. We don't fight against flesh and blood, that's what the Scripture says. Our battles are not against other people. Our battles are against the prince of the power of the air. Who, with his minions comes against the work of God, and we're not capable of fighting those battles. Only the Lord Jesus can fight those battles. He promises to humiliate their enemies. He promises to keep them from the hour of trial. And I want to just focus in on here because this is a really key verse in the New Testament, and it's way beyond just what it means to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is representative of the church. Let me just give you this little picture. If you study the book of Revelation. The church is mentioned in 1 through 4. After chapter 5, it's never mentioned again in the whole Bible. After that point in time, you never hear the church mentioned again all the way through the book of Revelation. Why? Because that's all about the tribulation. That's all about what God is doing on the earth. Where's the church, friends? Church is in heaven. (laughs) So he writes about the church up until the time of the rapture and then the church is in heaven and the rest of the book of Revelation is all about the tribulation when the church is not present. And now here in this wonderful passage of Revelation 3.10, he gives a promise to the people in Philadelphia which extends to us, and I want you to see it. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Please note that even though this is a letter addressed to an individual church, it is not a promise that has to do with regional persecution. He is not saying to the church of Philadelphia, I'm going to keep you from persecution that's going to come into your vicinity. No, he says, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world. This is not a local thing he's talking about. This is a universal thing. This is not a special hour of trial which is gonna come and go away in which there would be safety. No, this is a promise to the church of Philadelphia and to the church which is represented by this church in history that the Lord God has a special plan that will keep them from ever experiencing the tribulation. Now, you all know I'm a pre-tribulational preacher. If you don't know what that means that means i believe that jesus is going to come back before the tribulation happens on this earth some people believe he's going to come back in the middle of the tribulation some people believe he's coming back after the tribulation some people think we're already in the tribulation (laughs) but the bible teaches that the lord jesus christ is going to come back before the tribulation to take us home notice this promise i will keep you from the hour of trial. I want you to notice carefully what the Bible teaches. The Lord is addressing this letter to the church in Philadelphia, the true church of the last days, and he says to these true believers, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The phrase hour of trial can be translated by the words hour of testing. And it is certainly a reference to the tribulation period that's going to come in the future. And here is a promise that the Lord gives to the church that he will deliver us from the tribulation period. Now, there are some people who think that what the Lord Jesus is teaching us is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who went into the fire and then they came to see them and they found that the Lord was in the fire with them. But the Bible doesn't say, I will keep you in the trial. It doesn't say that. The Bible says, I will keep you, what's the word, from the trial. You won't even get in the trial. I'm not going to be there with you in the midst of it like he is with us in the midst of our trials now. The Bible says that in the future, he's going to keep us from ever being in the trial at all, completely away from it. I want you to notice what the Bible says. The Bible does not say, I will keep you through the hour of testing. The Bible says, I will keep you from the hour of testing. And the word there means, I will keep you clear away from it. You won't be in it, you won't be near it. You will be kept clear away from it. You're not gonna go through the tribulation. You just need to know that we are pre-tribulational and that's one of the reasons we believe the Bible teaches the church will never go through the tribulation. The Bible says, if you are in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say some condemnation. It doesn't say a little tribulation. It says how much? No. No condemnation. You say, Pastor, what do you call what I'm going through right now if it's not tribulation? I'm talking about worldwide tribulation that's going to try this earth, and some have said the church will be preserved through the tribulation. But Jesus said to the church in Philadelphia, I will keep you from the hour of tribulation. The method of keeping from the hour is by removing us from the sphere in which the testing will take place. Here we have a clear promise to the church that he would keep her away from the time when the tribulation would come upon the world. And in the book of Revelation, in chapters 1 through 3 of the book, we get the word church 19 times. But after you get to chapter 4 where the tribulation starts, the church is not mentioned one more time in the whole book. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because we're taken away from the tribulation. We're not a part of the tribulation story. We're going to be in heaven. Now, if you don't believe that's the way this should be interpreted, I just want to tell you, you'll get it straight on the way up. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Amen? I tell people all the time, I believe with all my heart, this is the clear teaching of the Word of God, that if we're Christians, once we accept Christ… The Bible says that those who have accepted Christ, one day the heavens are going to part, Jesus is going to come back, we'll be caught up to be with him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I've told you before, I believe I'm going to be here when that happens. I tell everyone I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. Amen? Amen. I want to go up. I believe that's going to happen. So if I go up in the rapture, and the tribulation doesn't start until after that, Where am I going to be when the tribulation happens? I'm going to be in heaven with the Lord. And this promise to the church of Philadelphia, which represents the church of the last age, is an incredible moment because just before the tribulation starts in the book of Revelation, here in this verse, we're given this wonderful promise that Almighty God has made provision to keep us from the hour of testing. If you read about the tribulation, you can give it but one title, It is a time of condemnation, and the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, he promises to humiliate their enemies, to keep them from the hour of trial, and then he promises finally to come quickly. Notice what he says. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Let me ask you, what does it mean? Jesus said to the people when he wrote the book of Revelation through John on the Isle of Patmos, he said, Behold, I come quickly. Wouldn't you think that would mean he was going to come immediately? Quickly doesn't mean immediately in the scope of time. It means that when he comes, it's going to happen quickly. (laughs) In the moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trump, says the writer to the book of Corinthians. His coming is going to be momentary. He's going to come quickly. I want to tell you the story in closing about the power of the Word of God. I was asked to go speak some years ago at the prayer breakfast in West Alabama. We slept there that night and got up for this breakfast, and when we got to the breakfast... The man who had organized it and invited me to come to speak said, Dr. Jeremiah, there's a man who's driven many miles to see you. He wants to talk with you before the breakfast if you're okay with it. And I said, okay. He said, I need to tell you, he's pretty rough. His name is Red. He says, I can't tell you what he's going to talk to you about, but I just need to kind of warn you. He's a little bit unorthodox. So I went in the back of the room, and there he was, big red. Red. He had long red hair tied in a ponytail that went all the way down past his waist. Big, burly guy. When I shook hands with him, he about broke my arm. He was one strong dude. And this is what he told me. He said, you know, Dr. Jeremiah, I asked if I could see you because I wanted to tell you my story. I've ruined my life through my drinking, my drug addiction, my playing around on my family and my wife. I had nothing left that I was living in a trailer that somehow I had gotten. Believe it or not, my trailer was repossessed one day several months ago. And he said, I was at the end of my time. I figured I was of no worth to anybody on this earth, and I might as well just take my life and get it over with. I decided how I was going to do it. He said, every day when I would drive to work, I went down this two-lane highway, and there was a place on this highway there was a hairpin turn. Often thought of. somebody were ever going really fast down this road and they didn't make that turn, they would hit a tree. There was a big oak tree on the other side of it. And I thought, well, I've spent most of my life driving truck. That's the way I'm going to end my life. So he said, I decided on a certain day I would go to the end of that road and I would get up as much speed as I could until I got to that hairpin and I would just not negotiate the turn and hit the tree and it would be over. And I liquored myself up the best I could got in my truck, drove it to the end of the road. And I decided I would turn on my radio and listen to rock and roll music as loud as I could. So I wouldn't be able to think about anything. And he said, I turned on my radio and I'll just tell you what he said. And he said, the thing wouldn't work. (laughs) And it really made me mad. He said, it's just like a picture of my life. Nothing I tried ever worked. And so he said, I just was so furious. I took my fist and he said, I went Bam! Into the radio. When I did, a voice came on, and it wasn't the rock and roll station, it was some guy saying, You may be thinking about taking your life right now, but don't you do it because God loves you and He has a purpose and plan for your life. And he said, Doctor Jeremiah, that was you. He said, I sat there with tears running down my face as I heard the word of God being taught on that radio program. I never even gave another thought to running my car into a tree. He said, I went home. And he said, the next day, I made sure I was listening again. And he said, I started listening every day. And I guess I should tell you, God has saved me. And he said, now I have a Bible study in the prison where I've spent some time. And I wish I could tell you I've got my family back. That hasn't happened. But he said, I got my life back. And it was the Word of God that did it. I want to ask you something. Do you know anything else that can do that? I don't. And that's just one little story among many stories that I hear every week of how God's Word through the radio, through television, through a magazine we produce, through the other stuff that we do, and through the preaching of this church, which now is streamed all over the world. Did you know that? Our services are streamed all over the world. So our missionaries who are out on the foreign field, they come to church with us every week not by delay, just at a different time than we do it because of the time changes. And God's Word just keeps doing what it does. And that's why I believe God has given us an open door, and I don't think he's finished with you. I don't think he's finished with me. I believe God wants to see us go way beyond where we've ever dreamed. If we'll be faithful to this book and faithful to the Lord of this book, there is no limit to what he can do. Age is not a barrier Time is not a barrier. Place is not a barrier. There are no barriers. For the Word of God is powerful. It's living, sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Bible says, he will never allow it to go out and return unto him without accomplishing what he sent it to do. So when we teach the Word of God and preach the Word of God and fund the Word of God like we do, we're setting loose the most powerful influence that the world has ever seen. And I'm so grateful for all of you who make it possible by your presence, by your sacrifice, by your service. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, uh, we finished the month together today. I've told you about our resource. The last day for the resource is today, and the resource is after the rapture. Please ask for it when you send your gift today to Turning Point. Uh, We're going to begin a new series tomorrow, as we begin the month of June together. And that series is called, The Word. And this series captures uh, the signature messages that I've given on the importance of the Bible over the many years that I've been preaching. I had never seen this uh, collection uh, until this particular series that we're sharing. I'm very excited to share this material with you, because you know, the core of what we do is the Bible. And if the Bible goes away, we have nothing. Here in in this day, when it seems to be uh, being trivialized and marginalized, what a great opportunity for us in the month of June to sink our roots down deep again into the Scripture, beginning tomorrow, right here on Turning Point. See you then.
0: The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. How is God blessing you with this ministry? Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, After the Rapture. An End Times Guide to Survival, which answers the question, what's next? It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords, Turning Point Ministries, and instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin the series, The Word, right here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you have been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional, and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Are you looking for a simple way to talk with unbelievers about the end times? This month, for a donation of any amount, you can receive Dr. David Jeremiah's newest book, After the Rapture, An End Times Guide to Survival. And for $40 or more, you can receive two copies of this book to share with unsaved friends or for a generous donation of $85 or more. You'll also receive an additional booklet and DVD to help you refresh your knowledge of the end times. Go to davidjeremiah.ca to get your copy today. As the 20th century dawned, an American writer named Henry Adams self-published
1: his memoir, which was titled The Education of Henry Adams. When it was officially published after Adams' death in 1918, it immediately won a 1919 Pulitzer Prize. While most people will never write a memoir of their life and times, every one of us is learning valuable lessons that can benefit others. It raises the question, with whom are you sharing your life and passing on the wisdom God has allowed you to acquire? Someday, your children and grandchildren will long to ask you questions. Begin answering them now in the days God has given you. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's wisdom on Route 66.
0: Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.